Hey, this is Brett, and we are excited to let you know that today's show is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Channel, one of our favorite places to get your nature fix, where you can explore the real Rockies. From award-winning documentaries to music in the mountains, this is Adventure with a Conscience. We think you're going to love it. You can check it out and subscribe at RockyMountainChannel.com. This is Brett here to inspire you to connect with nature for mindfulness and for personal transformation. Naturally. It's great to have you here for a Fireside Friday at Mountain Zen Den. And I know you're going to be glad you were here because today we meet with veterinarian Dr. Michael Suit and author of the books Finding James Harriet and his sequel, monkey bars, as he shares his love for people and animals along with how he got started as a veterinarian. So for all you aspiring veterinarians or authors or lovers of animals and nature, you're really going to enjoy today. Glad you're here. Come on in. Hey, Michael, glad to have you here. Welcome. Yes, thank you so much for having me. This is quite a quite an honor. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Do I smell horse sweat and manure and hay a little bit? <laughs> there could be a little bit of that. I did take my boots off, but yeah, hopefully we can. Did you just come from a job? Yeah, <laughs> a horse yeah, call. yeah. It's uh, the the struggle is real out there. It seems like mm. the horses never know when to take a day off. So. <laughs> and here we are towards the end of winter, but we've had some pretty cold ones too. Yeah. Yeah, the weather definitely can be uh, pretty difficult and challenging for some of these critters, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah. So all that, did, all that considered, did you think about that when you decided to be a vet in the very beginning? What, what? Tell us a little bit about your story, how you became a veterinarian. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's um, you know I kind of have had to process this a little bit more um, now after the fact with with my own children. Uh, as they've entered into the high school and college age um, in terms of figuring out your career. But I think early on, a lot of this stemmed from um, my my grandfather was a huge influence on me. He had a, a farm uh, and, and had um, cattle and raised corn up in Nebraska. And it was my happy place. Um, spent a lot of summers up there. Um, just uh, there were times as I got older that I would literally go up there and and on my own uh, my parents would <laughs> I remember my mom would drive me up to you know Grand Island Nebraska and my grandparents would pick me up and I'd go up to their house for you know a week or two but I really enjoyed um, that lifestyle of getting up in the morning and going out and um, you know being in nature and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, engaging with the animals and that, uh, and I, I think that really attracted me. Now, what was interesting about it was I, I didn't consciously connect with that. In um, other words, you didn't know you were doing it. Right. Yeah. I had a similar story. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, um, I, I lived in a, a fairly medium sized town in Kansas and, uh, 
did all the you know city city kid things and so i didn't really consider my myself uh someone from the country by any means um i did early on um there was i must have been about five six or seven and my uncle um one time i was visiting my grandfather and uh grandparents and uh, my uncle came into town with this kind of old rickety horse trailer behind his pickup and um I remember, I, I have this distinct memory of him literally opening the back gate of this trailer, this horse coming off. And really at that point, I really had no real real understanding of actually what a horse was. Really? I know that's hard to believe, but, yeah, yeah. but at that point, I looked at this animal and I said, what is that? And I want to ride one, you know? Wow. And I think um, it... it was definitely a magical experience for me and so from that i you know went back to the um my life in kansas and and i just kept begging my parents hey i really want to ride horses and i want to learn about horses and all those things and so i was i was one of those kids growing up that was literally horse crazy but (laughs) fast forward into high school college um my my father and my um uh, uncles on on my dad's side are all dentists and orthodontists and um so i i really felt like that was um, my calling was to kind of follow in my father's footsteps and um, so i actually went off um to dental school for a year um and thought that that was my dream um and then i quickly realized that being inside all day um and uh, it, w- it w- just was not necessarily something that I wanted to do. And mm, what I was yeah. missing was this connection um, with the animals. But also, the one thing I did like was that connection with people. And um, so I quietly and uh, how do I say, I, it, I, I was disappointed in myself for a long period of time because that was a direction um, that I really thought was my calling. It was mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. DNA. Yeah. Um, and to take that step back. So I, I kind of regrouped, but through my high school and college years, I had unwittingly or unknowingly, if you will, been working for uh, veterinarians. But it was a job. I was the kennel crew. I was taking wow. care of animals. I was feeding and I'd show up after school and working for these small animal veterinarians. Not as a, a volunteer, but as an actual paid position. They, they actually, yeah, they actually would pay me a little bit, but I was, cool. I, I walked dogs, I cleaned up messy cages, I fed, I did all those things. But there was something about that environment of the animals mixed with the humans that I really enjoyed. Yeah. But yeah. I, I was not I was not the kid that said, this is what I want to do with my life. So it wasn't until after, um, you know, some, some definitely some soul searching that I thought, and I had a, a, a veterinarian, a small animal vet that I had worked for for years. And I went to lunch with him one day and I said, you know, I'm really trying to find my place in this world. And this is what I love people. I love animals. And he said, well, what about the veterinary program? And I thought, I'm not smart enough to to be able to engage in that. But it, um, you know, so literally on a whim, I threw everything I owned, including my dog and my guitar <laughs> in the back Sounds of like my a country song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I threw it all in the back of my pickup and I drove to Colorado and, uh, that's where amazing. Began, you know? And, and, uh, did it feel like home immediately? Um, it, 
you know, I, uh, it, it, it did. Um, I was a little naive in the process in that I was just bound and determined that this, this was what I was going to do. Um, had I, I'm an emotional sort in that um, I, I reach out into the world and I, um, I, you know, I like to be thoughtful in my intentions, but I also am not one that's going to overanalyze, I think, at times. Sometimes um, that's a benefit and other mm-hmm. times it's, uh, it's not. And in this case, it was because had I really known at the time that the competitive nature of the veterinary program and what I was getting myself into, yeah. I, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have wow. talked myself out of it. So that story could have been totally different. Interesting. Yeah. It, so there's a good reason not to know everything all up front there is and i caution people um when i say people but i you know i have conversations with um young young people that have aspirations of wanting to pursue the veterinary career um and you know they're worried about this that and the other and i think those are all very valid but Mm -hmm. i think um i've taken that piece and even extended, and I try to live that with my own life now more and more, is that um, there's there's a lot of roadblocks that we can put in front of us. Um, and some of those are, are meant for, um, well, they're there for a reason, and sometimes those are, um, those are necessary. But at the same time, um, I think sometimes just having some faith in yourself and faith in, in your pursuits to just go for it. And um, I, uh, I I think that's really important not to lose that piece. Yeah, yeah. Your, I call it your head and your heart. Okay, so it's your head saying, why is this happening? Maybe I'm not supposed to be doing it. And your heart yeah. saying, yeah. keep pushing through. Yeah, and I think I think we live in an age now um, and, you know, the uh, that somehow... I don't ever want to lose sight of, of what your heart is telling you mm. in terms of the direction you should be going. You should definitely use your head. Um, but for me, what kept me going through this was this was this journey that I wanted to go, and I was bound and determined um, to, to make it work. Now, that being said, um, there's a lot of luck out there, and there's a lot of wonderful people that help you along the way. Yeah, um, that that lift you up and, and move you in a direction. So it's not it's not uh, just you know solely my pursuit here. It's it's definitely you know that old adage of it takes a village, and it, and it did in my situation. There were a lot of people supporting me along the way, um, you know, emotionally and and kind of guiding me and helping me. Um, where I needed to be, but yeah. Uh, so springboarding from that into we're actually from a couple of weeks ago. We had an author in here, uh, Paul Hudon, wrote a book called. He's here from Colorado, oh, and he wrote a book called Your Inner Guide. Yeah, and we were talking about how do you know that voice? How you had people helping you? Was yeah. that a big part of your inner voice? Uh, something saying, "Yeah, I'm on the right track." Yeah, you know, there's a lot of self doubt. Um, once you know, once I arrived in Colorado and kind of took a look at. Um, you know, exactly the process of, of what it was going to take for me to, to get into the veterinary program and through the veterinary program. Um, and it was really, it was really a humbling experience. I mean, there were, there were definitely some folks along the way that, um, 
you know, we're, we're trying to be, I guess, honest, but <laughs> I mean, essentially saying that there was no chance that this was going to happen for me. Yeah. Interesting. You know? Yeah. And, and so fighting through that emotionally is really challenging. You mm-hmm. know, I, um, I listen to other people and what they have to say. And when someone says, I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work for you. How do you move beyond that versus saying, okay, you know, I've got to yeah. go find a different direction, but, um, yeah, I think um, I think I held true to the fact that um, you know finding other people in your world in your past that that have made connections in your life. Whether it was my grandfather, um, we weren't especially close. He, I was one of you know uh, thirty-seven mm. grand uh, grandchildren, wow. uh, uh, and. Um, you know, I, I treasured the time that I had with him and that was that connection driving in the truck and going to the farm and all those things. But I, I think people along the way that, um, and they're not necessarily always, uh, immediate family members. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. some of them were acquaintances and friends along the way, but I think, um, you, you find people in your world that make sense to you and speak kind of your, I don't call it your love language, but they speak your language of um, and 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 seeing what they've done in their world and how they've moved through it. Um, And so knowing that other people have hardships and other people have disadvantaged situations. Yeah. um, And 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 mine, mine was on me to to really move through it. But I, I came from, you know, a great upbringing, had positive support around me. Um, so it was just really trusting, but I will tell you, um, probably one of the most, uh, uh, amazing things that happened to me when I moved to Colorado was Hmm. I, I met a, a really beautiful girl on a blind date. And I think she probably out of everyone, um, has given me so much strength through this because the, um, the, the the application process is really complicated, um, and honestly, um, I applied. Uh, I looked at the. I remember looking at the statistics. So, on average, a student applies to the program two point three times. Wow! I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I remember thinking to myself. Oh, I can't really apply 2.3 times. <laughs> right. So like law school or something. Right. So My I'm goodness. either in for two or I'm in. And so I finally, I can't, I, you know, I, t- I told, I told her, I said, I think I'm going to try to apply three times mm-hmm. if I can, if I can do that. Yeah. So I applied the first time and they sent me a nice little letter that said, good luck next time. Nice try, sissy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I doubled down and I followed some, you know, I took some more classes and I did some other things. So, uh, application and each each year it so i had to wait a whole year wow yeah so the application is is a year in the process of getting accepted but you have to stay alive during that period too yeah i would probably have to stay in a mental game too don't you i think of a field goal kicker who misses they've got another chance maybe within the game you had a year to wait yeah i had a year to wait so yeah it was a real mental game Mm. because you go out into the world and people ask well what are you doing with your world what are you doing with your life you know and i had uh high school and college friends are out making money, had yeah. a job, you know, and here I was still essentially an extended college student mm-hmm. trying to, you know, this was the plan, but yeah. So what were you doing? Oh my gosh. Um, along the way, I, 
uh, I, I installed sprinklers hmm. uh, one summer. I painted houses. Um, you know, and again, it goes back to that mentorship. I had an amazing individual when I came to town. I had no job. I had no prospects. Um, and a family friend um, offered me a job painting houses one summer. And mm. I, it, it really, he, and he still is, he's an amazing individual in my life that just said, I'm going to help you. Awesome. Awesome. And he did. Yeah. And it gave me the boost that I needed to, uh, it was hard work working Out, outside, outside yeah. all the oh, time, outdoorsy work, yeah. outdoorsy work, <laughs> climbing on roofs and everything I else. It. I, uh, I worked at the bagel shop, mm-hmm. you know, get up every morning at four thirty, five o'clock and cool. work the morning shift. And then I'd go off and take a class or whatever. But, um, so yeah, it was just a, really any opportunity that I could stay alive. And, and it was really humbling in a sense that, um, it, it was great experience because I learned, um, I met a lot of interesting people along the way in those jobs. Um, they were all of value uh, in terms of working with, with people, the, the public, if you will, in terms yeah. of like, um, you know, a smile on your face and happy to help somebody at seven o'clock in the morning at the bagel shop when you were working on three hours of sleep the night before mm-hmm. yes. and you needed to be pleasant and you needed to, you know, um, and so, uh, they were all valuable experiences for me. Um, and so I, I've learned so many things along the way. Yes. Yeah. Um, Part of your experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've just kind of, um, you know, lock those away in terms of being a good human and, and, and respecting everybody wherever they're at, uh, in, in their world. Um, and whatever they're doing, everybody, um, everybody's job is important in our world. We're all taking care of each other. So it was really good experience for me, but it was very humbling because again, I was looking around and even my siblings, I'm the oldest and even my younger siblings were off doing Mm, what I consider more profitable and, 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 and other things. And, um, I always thought that goal was to go out and, and, um, to this this idea of success and what that means yeah well in today's society there is this certain expectation that by this age you should have this mm-hmm. and at this age you get married and then you have children and then you have a house and blah yeah. blah 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 and um it, that's not necessarily the way life works or even the way the quote perfect life works if you are working on yourself and wanting to i love that you mentioned you know being a good human and yeah. you know this is all about Mountain Zenden is all about uh, becoming the best person you can be uh, mm-hmm. by connecting mindfully with nature. That's mm-hmm. what we like to emphasize. Yeah, no, it's and so uh, the help you got along the way, the hard lessons, that all rings true for me in, in what we're yeah. um, talking about here today. Um, I'm thinking of our listeners who might not be, uh, they might be younger listeners who are still deciding whether they want to be a veterinarian. Sure. All right, so it's hard to get into, but what's a typical day in the life of a horse doctor? Are they fun right. to work with? Or, right. Because somebody right. might say, I don't care, I just want to work with horses. Right, and uh, and, and that's that's a beautiful direction to head, and that's that that's that heart piece. Mm. Um, the head piece comes into you've you've got to. Uh, be committed to your studies. I'm. I am definitely here to tell you that I, by no means, um, uh, an A student. Um, I. 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 I'm 
I refer, I have a lot of analogies in my world that refer to different types of horses. Mm, yes. And I, I often call myself a plotter in that I think of this plow horse out in the field, you know, pulling the plow and he's going to get to the, he's going to get to the other side of the field. Right. He's not going to do it super fast. Yeah. He's not a thoroughbred. But but he's committed. Yeah. He's committed to getting there. And I think, um, that's where I was. I was, I was a solid student. I worked hard. Um, so I have, you know, uh, young people that come to me and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm a straight A student and I really want to go to vet school. And I think, I think that's fabulous. But I also say that there's room for some of the rest of us that um, are passionate um, and, and also want to get through. So studies alone, I don't, I don't know that that's the end all be all. I, I will say that... Um, you can have a desire for the animals, and I think that that's lovely. Um, but but I also argue that f- for the vast majority of us walking this planet, we all have some interaction with animals. We all have a pet at home. So I argue that, you know, I, I'll talk to students that ride with me on occasion, and this, I say, you know, I always ask this question. I say, why, do you, why would you want to do this? Yeah. Well, I love animals. And I always joke, and I say, well... It, you know, we all love animals. <laughs> yep. It's just, um, do you love humans? Do you love people? Mm. Because they're the ones that ultimately you're helping, I think. Yeah. You know, you're helping the animal. But, but really my joy um, is twofold. I love, obviously, um, doing what I can um, f- for the horses or the animals or the goats or the dogs or, the, or whatever I'm, I'm taking care of. But really, my joy too comes from um, uh, the humans behind the animals, because they're the ones that give you a big hug and a smile on their face, or yeah. or you hug when they're um, they've got tears in their eyes because they had to say goodbye to a mm. a loved pet. Um, the that's really what gives me um, that strength to kind of keep moving on. But um, my joy comes from helping the human element as well and so that's what's so puzzling to me sometimes i'll talk to folks interested in the veterinary thing and they say well i love animals but i can't stand people and i think well it's it's a i mean there are opportunities there for vets to i guess you know not engage with the human element Mm -hmm. but for me that's that's the that's the that's the magic of of so much of this too is that i'm helping an animal um, because ultimately I get to help the human behind the animal. Yes. Too, so. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. We like to, again, as I mentioned, we like to talk about connecting with nature right. for mindfulness. And we forget that uh, a few episodes back, Melissa and I talked about how to get your nature fix on a really, really ridiculously cold day. <laughs> so, you know, we think in nature, you're out in the woods, you're climbing a mountain, right. you're at the ocean. Right. No, you can be with nature with your animals and, and your pets right there in your house. Or, and you just reminded me again, we are nature. Humans yeah. are nature. Yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes, especially when we're not being mindful, we really disconnect from that natural part of ourselves and we kind of mm-hmm. go into a sleep mode. But that's beautiful that you, that's a beautiful reminder that when your job is all about the people as well as the animals. And I got that, uh, sh- shifting gears here a little mm-hmm. bit, I got that really loud and clear out of uh, your books. Oh. Um, I just want to make a little plug here. Actually, a personal plug. Yeah. I've had the privilege. It was so awesome 
privilege of reading your, being the narrator for your two books that you wrote, yes. Finding James Harriet and Finding James Harriet Monkey Bars. Yes, thank um, you. Let's talk about that a little bit. How, yeah. All right, so there's this vet who all of a sudden becomes an author. How did that happen? <laughs> or was it all of a sudden? No, no, you know, I, um, I, I don't know where it, it came from, but uh, I... It started even uh, as early as second grade um, in, that, in in my interest for creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 in, I started, actually this is of course, I'm dating myself, but before the days of computers even, I had mm-hmm. a, an old typewriter that I had inherited from uh, a family member or something, and I literally created... Um, I would bind them with my little stapler, oh. um, and I had a, a magazine subscription that I, I sold to family and friends for a couple of dollars. And it's like Stephen King. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I would write articles. I wow. probably plagiarized a lot of articles at the time. <laughs> um, no offense to all those hard writers. There's out no there. original. Thought there was yeah. I created crossword puzzles, but it was all wow. done by hand. And I would go and distribute them, or I would mail them off to family members. And I remember doing that at probably as early as second grade. And then third grade, I remember distinctly uh, convincing my third grade teacher, Mrs. Geist, God love her, she Mm. let me stay in from recess. I traded recess to stay in on occasion, not all the time, but on occasion to write. uh, I had a whole series of uh, uh, a character called the Black Knight, and he had all these adventures. and, And again, it was all handwritten. And so... I never saw myself as a writer, and I really struggle with that even with the first book um, because I'd have folks mention my name with author attached to it. And I said, well, that's not me. Authors are Stephen King. Authors are, you know, Hillerman and, you know, uh, but so I never really made that connection. But um, the... The, the writing has always been something I've enjoyed. I'm a, I, I love history. I love reading. Um, they have always been my happy place in mm-hmm. terms of um, my joy of, of, of books and, and reading. Yes. And um, so the, the writing, though, never really extended beyond that in terms of anything that I um, pursued in college necessarily because I really didn't feel like I had the chops, so to speak, to you know, to compete at that level. And again, my brain was in other places. Well, it takes some time and commitment too, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it really does. And so really, um, uh, actually fast forward, I graduated vet school and I went to work for this amazing uh, veterinarian in Southern Colorado. Um, And I really owe so much to him as well because I, I thought for as much as I've learned in the veterinary program, that first year, year and a half that I was with him was magical in that um, he he gave me so much. Um, it, it wasn't always, um, <laughs> it, it, how do I describe it? it? You know, looking back on it, um, his guidance and instruction, sometimes it, you know, it wasn't always warm, fuzzy, but right. but he was fair and he, he guided me along the way. Um, so through that, I, um, I, one particular evening, um, I got called out on an emergency call and I, um, had this wild adventure that I thought driving home in the middle of the dark, I thought no one's ever going to believe this story in the morning. 
And I got back to the clinic the next morning, and um, uh, Doc's wife was our office manager, and I came in, and I had bloodshot eyes and bags underneath my yeah. eyes, and she said, well, you know, how did it go? And I said, oh, it was, it was crazy. You're never going to believe it. And she kind of laughed, and she said, well, just make sure you start writing some of these stories down. Hmm. And I came home, and at the time, I was living in a studio apartment in a barn really yeah and and the uh, reason i'm so ex- uh, surprised is because uh, I, I read about a guy like that <laughs> named dr jason davies <laughs> that's right that's right so so i was literally living in a barn during wow. the week um i would go home and see my now wife uh and and my young growing family mm-hmm. um on, just on the weekend so i literally um would come back to this lonely little studio apartment that smelled like mothballs and um and uh and so in the evenings after emergency calls or on occasion i would jot down these little stories in this little Mm. uh leather bound journal that my folks had given me one year at christmas and had been tucked away and uh so i started keeping a collection of these stories and um again a few years later i thought um you know, I'd always loved James Harriet stories growing up and yeah, reading those. And I stumbled across an old episode of a, a Creatures Great and Small on the BBC. And I remember thinking one night, thinking, why couldn't I take my stories and turn that into something fun that somebody oh, would yeah. want to read and enjoy? And so that's kind of how it all started. Um, but But again, the challenge is finding the time. Right. Um, and, and, and I think the thing that I struggled with the most was giving yourself the grace or giving yourself, yeah, the, the grace to allow yourself to have that time mm-hmm. and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. And you should be watching TV instead, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or mowing the yard or, yeah. Oh, yeah. or doing this or doing Spending that. Time. And I think, um, and again, um, my wife was amazing through that process. She's a, an educator, an elementary school teacher, and and she gave me permission to be okay mm, with that. Awesome. And she said, you know, this is important. You go, take the time, yeah. and work on it. And it wasn't, uh, you know, my brain can only concentrate for so long in certain periods, and and you do find that there are certain times of the day that that you work better. For you, when is that? Um, I. Honestly, I really like um, the mornings and mm-hmm. more specifically kind of that. Um, I like getting up early, um, but I'm not engaged. Um, I find one of my favorite times is being up um, before the, what I consider the rest of the world is up and moving. Yeah. I don't like getting up, but once I'm up. Like being up. Being, I'm yeah, the same, same yeah, with me. But I, I really do enjoy those moments where... Um, you know, the world isn't quite moving. It's hard to find those times anymore because it seems like the world's always moving. Yeah. But we, we have a little visitor here. Dahlia came to say hi to, oh, hi. hi to the veterinarian. Yes, absolutely. That means Melissa I, must be home. I think I have all kinds of smells on me today. So. <laughs> I'm sorry about the interruption. No, no. Uh, she probably didn't know that that gate was open no, when she let them in. Fine. But that's part of the show here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, all in the family. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I think... Um, uh, I, I, I think finding that that was a huge piece for me in the writing process was really overcoming this self-talk in my head that said, 
this is not worthy of you spending your time on. Wow, yes, yes. We all have that little voice saying something like that mm-hmm. that's keeping us from our best self. Yeah, and I think that extends to a lot of people's pursuits, whether it's um, you know enjoying music or, or writing or um, uh, you know painting. Um, and I think this process, I by no means you know equate myself on the same levels as other writers. Um, and, and I've learned to understand and be okay with the fact that I, you know, wanted to create something um, that other people would find interesting and in, enjoyable, but it was okay that if it wasn't uh, going to be on the New York Times bestseller yes, list yeah. or, you know, Pulitzer Prize or, or whatever. But um, so it... it I, I think that extends to other people's pursuits too, because I think sure. that holds people back. Right. And say, right. well, I don't want to play the guitar because I wouldn't be good at it, or yeah, I don't yeah. want to do this because I don't think I'd be good at it. And and I think that that keeps us from finding that little happy place, that joy that I think we all need any now more than ever yeah. is finding finding that that opportunity for each of us to kind of go. F- be brave. Yes, yes. And move out and, and go find that. So I hear you say you're encouraging people to find their passion and Absolutely. give themselves permission to do this. A- absolutely. Yes. And, 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 and being okay with it. Because I think we're constantly comparing um, ourselves to the others around us and saying, um, you know, my, my neighbor's out doing this, so I should be out doing that. Or, um, and, 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 really being brave in a world that's so busy right to not be busy yeah or not be busy in the traditional sense of of always having to account uh for your time and i think that's been very challenging for me over the years um is is to wrap my head around the idea that um you're important right you your you, your inner being is important we need that permission. Yeah. You know, and it's not just for the creator, it's for the receiver of the gift, because I am so glad, I, again, I had the opportunity to narrate this book, these both of these books, because I kind of come from the other side. I totally get the thing, you know, I was a musician, I am a musician, Yes. but growing up, I felt guilty right. growing up later, not in the very beginning, but, mm-hmm. you know, I could be spending time with family or doing right. other things, making money, doing whatever. But now... Reading, I'm reading a lot of, Melissa and I both are reading a lot of personal growth and self-development books and Mm -hmm. some history books too, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I don't give myself as much um, permission to just read stories and fiction and and really just good, fun stuff. And I have to say, your book is a lot of fun. Uh, It is topsy-turvy in places. I love where all the turkeys get out and there's, you know, um, I don't remember the guy's name who's helping Dr. Davies collect him, but he's a funny guy. And uh, I love Boo and yeah. uh, his, well, I guess it's his, by default, his stable mate, <laughs> Jasper. Jasper, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the donkey. And uh, is it mule or donkey? Donkey. Donkey, yeah, the donkey. Yeah, yeah. And he, they show up in just, just the right times throughout the book. And there's just so many elements of surprise. And now that I know a lot of these are based on true stories, it makes it even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is Jasper and Boo based on anything you know? Um, yeah, you know, it's the, Jasper for sure. Um, is is kind of a, a culmination of a lot of I mean the, the personalities and donkeys and 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 burrows. I have a lot of clients that have rescued 
you know, wild burrows over the years. Yeah. And um, they all have, I mean, all animals have their own personalities, but um, the, the, the burrows and the mules and um, all definitely have their own opinions about their world. Right. They're very secure in their understanding of the world. Hmm, yes. And um, it's, it's, it's similar to kind of how we engage with cats and dogs. And that's always been fascinating to me is um, not to get too far off the rails here, but you know, I've always been a dog person. I've had yeah. labs, they're goofy, they're all over the place. Um, and you know, they're right there in your pocket. And then my daughter, um, several years ago, that's all she wanted was this amazing cat. And she has this amazing cat, but you approach the cat on kind of the cat's terms, you know, that's right. And that's kind of how the donkeys are. Um, they, you kind of have to, it's a, it's a conversation that you negotiate with them when you go to work on them. You know, the horses, the horses are more like my labs. They, you Mm. know, for the most part, they, they have this understanding that there's this relationship and, you know, um, but the donkeys, they're equal, you know, they, yeah. yeah. So Jasper was kind of a, he wasn't necessarily one particular critter, but he's kind of a culmination of, of several different donkeys that I've, you know, come across. But yeah. I wanted, I wanted a, yeah, I, I wanted a, a little, um, it, it, and it's funny, the writing process too, because mm. it's such an organic thing in that you had so much of, I mean, there is um you know a lot of these stories that that you'll find and and these and these individuals that you'll find in the book um are based on um on real real folks um at the same time there's just as many that have just kind of fallen onto the page out of my my head one night or day or yeah. morning or whatever too so it i i really when i went to write the book um especially the first one i really Jasper just kind of appeared one day, huh. and um, and I'm so glad he he was there, especially for the first one. It was very an emotional um, process for me in terms of um, I mean both books have been a journey for me personally, um, but having this connection with an animal I think is magical, and I think I've I've learned that along the way working with. Um, closely with hearts and horses and the therapeutic writing, um, you know, very important. But, but they even with, but even with young adults that have experienced um, emotional or uh, physical trauma, and their trust factor is very low. Yes. And then those individuals, um, they're struggling on the human interaction. Mm. But they're able to reach out to an animal and make that connection. And I think um, Jasper, I didn't see it coming, but I needed Jasper more than I thought I needed Jasper. And Jasper, while he's kind of in and out, um, uh, you know, he really connected with me um, on on a personal note because humans humans can let you down mm-hmm. um, we have higher expectations we have higher expectations other, yeah and and uh, the animals um i they they always seem to continue to keep giving yes um, and that's just such an, a beautiful place for them and and even 
even in nature, you know, I mean, I, um, with some of these, you know, warmer days and in the early mornings, I'm hearing the birds outside mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm just so joyful because all of a sudden that's something I could count on is Boy, the, the sound of those birds coming <laughs> yes. back, you know, and uh, more than just the Canada geese flying overhead right, all winter right, round, yeah. which I love too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, realizing that we all have this place in this world and that even includes, you know, all these little critters that are running around and, and just even being, even as I, you know, I would, yeah, I don't live in the country. I'm a, I'm a city dweller, but just finding those quiet moments, even in your own backyard. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, giving yourself, um, the permission if you need to do that. But, you know, I find myself now, um, having moments after a crazy day of just even going outside and just sitting and watching the leaves rustle on the trees and i remember coming in one afternoon i'm always asked me she said everything okay i'm like yeah i just you know just taking it in a little bit and i think that's really been important mm, for me beautiful. to try to try to find those it's it's difficult and it's challenging you have to actually do it intentionally don't you right i was gonna say it's almost like a training mm-hmm. but you have to kind of get into habits yeah. And habits. And that's, you know, that's, um, and especially post COVID, that was really challenging too. And none of us really knew what the other side of the world looked like. But um, uh, again, another little aside, but one of those things that um, my wife and I kind of took up was uh, doing, we get up in the morning, we have our little routine, but we go and we do a little 20, 30 minute yoga session. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really come to enjoy it on a lot of levels. Um, one, it's it's something that we've both made a commitment to, um, but it it does it, it it allows your head to have a little waking up time before you engage with the you know yes, my schedule is all on a hand. Yeah, exactly the very cerebral part of your day. And so I think whether some people are early morning people, some people are late night people but i think i think that's another huge piece that um and i think that came out of the writing process for me was i giving myself permission to sit down and work on this yeah has then opened that door for me to say it's it's okay to take 20 minutes and go walk Mm -hmm. or it's okay to go and sit in the backyard and look at the trees the neighbors aren't going to judge you yes if they do who cares <laughs> if they do who cares <laughs> they should be out there doing it too <laughs> that's right that's right uh, judging the neighbors right, right, right. <laughs> wow that's uh, that's beautiful and i can so relate to the you know we i talk about it a lot but i think people who listen to this or who know me think oh he just does this all the time but it's still an intention i have to yeah make set an intention because sometimes it's there's a lot we all know what it's like to have a hectic schedule and a lot to do yeah but that has got to be right at the top of the to-do list for me yeah you know and it's uh you know i had this is this happened to me i guess it was probably about a year ago and i you know i i i travel around uh in my veterinary practice i you know i i go to the ranches up and the mountains and um i was having a particularly stressful morning i was um you know rather frustrated with how my day was lining out and i remember having this moment because i was up by um long's peak or Mm. mount meeker and i remember just uh, you know kind of having this little conversation in my head 
and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm upset and I'm frustrated and time and I'm always chasing time. And all of a sudden I looked up and here are these magnificent snow-capped mountains oh, yes. off to my left. And I thought to myself, there are worse work environments that I could be experiencing right Amen. at this moment. And I, I actually and very intentionally pulled off to the side of the road um, safely. And I just sat there for a minute and mm-hmm. I just looked at those mountains for a moment and it wasn't for very long but it was long enough to reset myself wow good for you and i think i think that's important too in our day things can trigger us and things can set us off yeah and i think it's just having that mindfulness to step back and say okay how can i reset here yeah and maybe that doesn't clear up everything on my plate right but how do i check in with myself and do this little mental Okay, is it really that bad? Yeah. What what can you know, you know, and, and being okay with that. So it's uh, again, it's it's a it, it's it's a very conscious effort, and mm-hmm. I think you have to like anything. It's like learning how to play an instrument or or anything else that you want to improve your skill set. Mm, yes, yes. It takes time, and that's it. it you th- it just doesn't show up. You have to you have to work work towards it it. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. good reminder any new books on the horizon oh gosh thank you for asking you know this uh, this has been the first book um they're both totally different experiences yeah the first book was kind of this very um interesting emotional journey for me and it was definitely creative and definitely something that i had on my bucket list of i wanted to do this yes yeah um the second one uh was similar um in that um i wanted to it it was one of those moments where you 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 rang the bell and then you said okay but can i do it a second time right right so So Francis Scott Key, he wrote the uh, the Star Spangled Banner, but now what has he got? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what else you got? Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to be just the one hit wonder, if that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, so the second one, the second one was a little more challenging because I said, okay, I really felt um, that you know there was so much in that first one, and that second mm-hmm. one came along. Um, I again, I, I, I talk about being humbled a lot, but I was really humbled in terms of. Um, and you helped me with that too, ultimately, but through the editing process and things like that, I wanted it to be so perfect. Right. And when it, when it was finally released, I thought it was about as perfect as I can make it. And then very early on, I, you know, started coming across some, some, some typographical errors and some other things that I, you know, never caught, but I had thought that I had it you know uh, had it edited professionally and all these pieces yeah and I was really down on myself for a long time because I thought you know this is this is another aspect of the writing uh, that I never really anticipated which was the vulnerability piece right yeah all these characters up until well 2016 when the first one came out all those characters were in my little head yeah yeah no one else knew about jasper no one else knew about dr keating nor jason davies or or cat or Catherine. and um while i was excited i was also extremely scared once that 
that door got open right. because we live in a very challenging world right now where everybody feels the right to have an opinion on everything. Yes, yes, you know, and, 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 and to verbalize it to the world, or a good, make bad, it known. <laughs> good or bad. Yes, and you know you're always going to have your critics, and and so struggle with the idea that yes, while I wanted everybody to love my book, yeah, realizing that there's going to be some out there, or many, or I don't know, that may not love it, are going to find fault with it, and so when it came out, and I realized that it wasn't as perfect, I I really just wanted to hang it up and say I'm done. Wow. I was a one-hit wonder, and where did he go? Um, with with your help and support, and kind of reworking through it, and and especially with you know bringing them out to audio, and it's um, I, I I will always have the writing bug, um, but to but to really get to it, I actually have a story that I a book um, I have a a, com- a complete novel sitting in. Uh, in some space on my computer and, awesome. and, and printed out in a, in a hardbound binder underneath my bed. But <laughs> I have another, another story that I wrote, well, uh, uh, probably a couple of years before all of, all of uh, Finding James Harriet. Um, it's it's uh, not connected with these stories at all. Um, but um, there, there are some similar storylines in terms of a young man trying to find his way and and, um, uh, and 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 there's some silliness that comes along the way he kind of winds up well he does he winds up in some kind of a wild ride on an island oh, um, man. yeah so it's been sitting there it's kind of I kind of equated to kind of like an old car that you have in the garage under a tarp that you want to <laughs> yes. drag out one of cool, these days cool old car yeah it sounds yeah like. so it so it's kind of renewed my um I- I- excitement and interest to pull that back out and maybe maybe uh may- maybe the the world can can experience that one too. very it's cool important. well i for one look forward to it because when you said um you were talking about all these characters that were in your head yeah I was like, no, I know them. They, they, they're part of the world. <laughs> that's not that's not in your head. And you did. You created a world that, to me, is very real. Even though I got to see behind the curtain, right. the guy saying, "I am the great Oz," not right, you. The, right, the, just right. the Oz behind the curtain saying, uh, "This is." And seeing the levers pulled, it didn't look like that guy was that guy wasn't the real thing. It was these these characters are real, and it was so well written that I felt like. I knew them, and I and I would read a third book. Thank you. I, you're welcome. It's my, my pleasure. And one, we're talking about edits. Writing, like life, all of life is messy, and right. we, we have to try to live in this perfect world. Right. And I learned so much in the uh, whole process of writing, and I have much higher respect for authors than I ever had by getting deep into it. When you have to read a book out loud, and I would advise every author, yes. if, you're, if you're doing your own editing, yes. and I didn't know this until... This yeah, came yeah. about. Uh, read it out loud, and when you do, and you all—that's where you see the typos that you don't normally see when you're writing. Yeah, because I do the same thing when I write. Sure. No, I think that's a, that's a that's a, a very good point, and I think that even extends to, um, uh, yeah. I mean, ac- academically speaking, even in students that are they're working on you know through the high school and writing process. I I, I say that because my daughter is a junior in high school, and so she. She brings these papers to us, and we read this, oh, and yeah. and I and I think that's was something that you brought to my attention more uh, in in terms of it all makes sense in my head um, as as I would read through it, but I think 
physically sitting down and reading it out loud or having someone read it out loud sure. to you, yeah. it definitely can can uh, show you some of those some things that need to be fixed. And yeah. so so there's always lessons learned. But I think going back to the, real quick to that that writing journey for me is I, I think the realizing that um, like you said, everything in in life can be messy and it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and learning to be okay with that. Mm, yes. And uh, I think even though I put this out to the world and I'm very proud of it, I know it's not perfect, but giving other people encouragement to do the same, Yes. whatever it is. Right, whatever you're... That you want to go and, and roller skate or you want to go learn to play tennis. Um, and this, this piece of feeling like, well, I'm not good enough or I'm not talented enough to go do that. Um, I think to me, that's what is, is part of the joy in life is going and experiencing some of those pieces and, and all of us giving each other, again, grace comes up a lot, but giving each other the grace to say, you know, I don't have to be perfect looking in my swimsuit and I'm going to go swim or I'm going to go and do this and those things. And, and, um, we we all just need to to work a little harder to take care of each other and be okay and support each other through whatever journeys that we're on, whether you know recreationally or um, you know uh, we don't have to go and climb Long's Peak, although I'd love to at some point. But yeah. um, but but even just walking around the na- the neighborhood or I find this is going to sound well. But we have a cemetery not too far from mm. from our house, and I just I find so much peace just walking through there and experiencing, um, you know, the quiet elements there and the trees and and all those things. So it doesn't you know finding nature is literally outside your back door. I love old cemeteries too because it re- brings that reminder that life is short. Amen. And yeah, it makes what what you're going through seem so temporary and yeah. puts everything in perspective. Wow, that's yeah. there's one not too far from here. I, yeah. Might just end up down there when it gets a little warmer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's good, too. Huh? Yeah. Well, I heard three words come out consistently through this. One was uh, humbled, and mm. you, were, you were humbled by so many things. And gra- gratitude, mm-hmm. you were so grateful. Mm-hmm. And grace, mm-hmm. that that sums up this conversation to me beautifully. I really appreciate the the humility, gratitude, and, and grace that you brought to the show today, Mike. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So no, much. this has truly been an honor to be able to share my little story and journey and, and hopefully it, it maybe inspires somebody else. That would be wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Hope we get you back when you get your next book. Right? Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, there you have it. A warm and amazing conversation with veterinarian and author, Dr. Michael J. Sood. You can find his books on amazon.com and I'm going to leave a link on our website and in the show notes for you to find both Finding James Harriet and the sequel, Monkey Bars. So glad to have you here. Remember, life is a gift, nature's a gift, and you are a gift back to the world. See you again soon, my friends.